Welcome once again to the Chapter 49 podcast. Today is February 10th, 2023. My name is Larry Lannon. I work in communications with Chapter 49 of NTEU, the National Treasury Employees Union. We want to welcome you once again to our podcast. And I want to say that the last time we had a podcast was on January 20th. And on January 20th, I ended it like I often do, saying if all goes well, we'll be back next week. Well, we've been gone for two weeks, and the reason for that is because not all went well with me. My mother, who passed away at the age of 92, uh, it was, uh, you know, it's always difficult to lose one of your parents. Uh, we had her on the earth for 92 years. She made a, a very big difference in many people's lives. And, and uh, I want to, first of all, thank uh, Duncan Giles and, and his uh, significant other, Kim. I want to thank all the people I have known through my work at IRS during those years and through my work with NTEU, which continues for all the wonderful thoughts and, and expressions of sympathy. I want to specifically thank uh, Tony Reardon, our national president and our national executive vice president during Greenwald. They sent me a personal note uh, in the mail uh, of sympathy, which, uh, you know, something they did not have to do. And, and I just wanted to express how appreciative I am of everyone, particularly those two top officials at NTEU for expressing those very kind words. So, Duncan Giles, I'll bring you back in. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Larry. And on behalf of myself, all our members, and the folks watching the podcast all over the country, and some all over the world, just want to express our uh, sympathy to you, uh, your wife, Jane, your children, your family, on your loss. It's never easy. It's never fun. Um, but you know, she had a good long life and your mother was a good, good lady. And when she knew she was ready to go and that you can take some solace in that, I hope. I mean, she lived alone most of her life and really until she was sick in the last couple of weeks. So we were fortunate in that we had just talked her out of driving her car a few months ago at age 92, but uh, thank you. And, and you know, this is a time when you really know where your who your friends are and i have many friends and i'm so so thankful for that including you and kim and and even the national people at ntu and many other people who i've uh, known through my years of having worked at irs i may have re retired in late 2011 but i still feel connected to all the people who are my former colleagues former co-workers and of course to the people i still deal with uh, in through my volunteer work here at nteu so thank you for that and let's move on to uh the uh, issues at hand. We've been gone for three weeks, so we have a lot to talk about. On January 20th, our lead story was the debt ceiling. On February 10th, our lead story is the debt ceiling. It's still there. If you saw the, the President Biden's State of the Union address, that was a, some of, how should I put this? He addressed that issue during uh, his State of the Union address, and he would expect the Congress to raise that debt ceiling. Uh, so I, I think we, uh, we all, as we mentioned before, there's a lot of uncertainty about what would happen should the debt ceiling not be raised. We certainly hope that doesn't happen. But as always, we have to be prepared like the Boy Scouts are. So I think what I would ask you to do, Duncan, is there anything more we know about what may or may not happen if the debt ceiling is not raised uh, within the time period, which we think is going to expire sometime uh, in the month of June. Or, or possibly earlier. We don't know for sure. That's, that's part of the fun. This is, there's so many great unknowns here. Uh, the one thing that we do know 
is that National NTU has been pushing IRS to get out more communication, more information about what may happen because are people going to be told that they're going to be having to come back to work, come to work even though their their pay is going to be delayed? We don't know that. Are they going to be told to stay home? We don't know that. Um, you know, National is pushing very hard, National NTU is pushing very hard to get employees that information. Because, you know, and and to IRS's, you know, I'm not going to slam IRS on this because they have to get their direction from OPM, Office of Personnel Management. And OPM has no clue probably at this point what they want to do. But there needs to be a greater awareness, you know, that is this going to be just political posturing or is there truly a good chance that they could, you know, certain people could derail this and try and make the, uh, you know, debt ceiling go into default, which totally blows my mind from an economic standpoint. But, you know, it's a possibility that it can happen. And we just need to know exactly where and how it's going to impact employees. Yeah, the last time we had a scare on this where it came close was 2011. And what I remember about that is that, of course, it had an impact on, on, on federal employees should it have happened. But I think what turned the tide on that one was when every member of Congress started hearing from their local bankers they started hearing from their local chambers of commerce, auto dealers, go down the list, all the people that are part of the uh, economy and, and the civic life of, within the districts came to them and said, do not do this. I think something like that's going to have to happen again because of what you just mentioned, the the, the, the really horrific uh, possibilities as, as to how the entire economy could be damaged by this. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about folks who are, okay, is there going to be a problem, you know, if the stock market goes down, things like the thrift savings plan, 401ks all over the country will tank because of this. I mean, there are just so many implications that we hope that, like you said, the grassroots will start contacting their congresspeople. Uh, absolutely, folks listening to this podcast can contact their representative or their senators and let them know that they want this to be raised if they want to be if they want to have a discussion on budget issues absolutely totally understand let's have that discussion but the debt ceiling is not that place to me for those types of discussions or to play chicken with well and that usually happens at budget time and sadly we have had situations where during those budget fights, we've had government shutdowns. They're bad enough, but the debt ceiling is exponentially worse. And I think yes. I think what we need to zero in on is something you've already mentioned, because during shutdowns, there have been employees of the federal government who had to work without pays. This, that one long shutdown we had during the Trump administration lasted over a month or right around a month. And air traffic controllers, for example, had to work. They just started calling in sick. I mean, they just stopped coming <laughs> to work. And that was one reason that whole thing ended, because the air travel system was starting to break down. But the question is, really, okay, we have some idea how a government shutdown works. It's not a good thing, but we have some idea about what happens and what doesn't happen. If there's a debt ceiling, like you said, we don't know if we'll be paid. We don't know whether we're going to be required to come to work and not be paid. We don't know if some people will be paid and some people won't be paid. So I think what you and I are trying to say, and I'll give you the last word on this, is that there is no good news with a debt ceiling breach. 
Uh, that's that's very well put. Uh, we just have to hope that common sense prevails and that it does get raised so we can all go on our business. Let's move on to something else. You know, what we have to keep in mind is that we are all human beings, and human error is something we all have to deal with. Uh, sometimes uh, it's computer program error. Sometimes it's human error, but there are errors that are made. And uh, I know many people who are members of NTE, you watch and uh, listen to this this podcast. And uh, I am a retired member of NTEU and, and continue to keep my membership current. But uh, there was an error on the most recent uh, issuance of membership cards. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, for folks who've got a card, and, and believe me, I've heard from several of them. So, A, I'm glad you're observant. But B, if you've got a membership card just recently that says it expires 131 of 23, you're covered. It's, it's okay. You're in good shape. Uh, you're still entitled to all the discounts and things of that nature. You're still a member in good standing. Don't freak out. Don't worry. If you have a problem or an issue getting one of the great discounts that NTU offers uh, via their website because of the membership card issue, um, you know, if you're in Indiana, let me know. If you're watching this from another state, let your local chapter know, and they can help work that through for you. But it's just something that that happened. I mean, like you said, Larry, it's human error. It happens. Um, something happened with the printer, um, printing company that does our cards, and we got the wrong date by year, but uh, it's okay. It's It's something more to laugh at than it is to worry about. So I guess the bottom line is there will not be a reissuance of the cards. The card you have is okay. Is that correct? The card you have is okay. I haven't heard anything about a reissuance, so I would not um, – I don't stress over this. Let's put it that way. Well, I can tell you I got enough to stress over, Duncan. I'm not, <laughs> by, by the way, i got to ask you about something you said earlier here. Uh, you said that people listen throughout the country. I do have. You say we, people are, are listening and watching in foreign countries. Is that right? Uh, that's, that bears out from what you've seen. And, uh, you know, I put the podcasts every week on uh, LinkedIn and it's amazing. Some of the views, uh, that my profile gets from LinkedIn from different parts of the world. So yeah, we go worldwide cause there are people, we have a following in England. Um, there's, you know, folks in Southeast Asia who listen to this podcast, apparently, um, just from the hits that I get on my profile views and the comments that I get from it. So, yeah, we, we get them from all over. You know, you mentioned LinkedIn. I got to say a word about LinkedIn. I used to have a LinkedIn profile, but I deleted it. You know why? It's not because I have anything against LinkedIn myself, but I'm retired, and I kept, get, I kept getting people wanting me to work for them. And I said, <laughs> I'm retired. I don't, I'm not looking for work. And if I was looking for work, yeah, LinkedIn would be. <laughs> It'd be great, but it's like, okay, I'm 71 years old. I'm retired. I've done a little work since I've been retired, but I think I'm probably done with that. Uh, so uh, I just uh, deleted my – but, you know, that's not an easy thing to do, to delete your LinkedIn. I think it's still there somehow. Somebody told me that <laughs> tried to delete it. It's like once you're on, on some of these programs, you never, ever get off of it. But leaving exactly. that – I'm sorry, what's that again? I said exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, and that's not the only platform where that's, it's difficult to actually get off of it. I, anyway, and, and I've heard about this with people like when someone passes away and, and, and they have like a Facebook account, 
last like lasts forever and you can't find a way to get rid of it. So it's something like that. All right, let's move on to our next issue here, and that is uh, paid parental leave. You may I'm old enough to remember this. Some of you watching and listening may remember this, but it was a battle, a battle royal in the Congress, amongst the Congress and the president, getting them all on the same page on this, just to get 12 weeks of unpaid leave uh, in, in the law so that if you had to be off take unpaid leave, you could at least come back to the job you had before. Uh, it took a long, the business community pushed back on that very hard. Well, that's been law for a very long time, the Family Medical Leave Act. Well, now NTEU is trying to push for uh, something extra on this, 12 weeks of paid uh, parental leave. Uh, I know NTEU has made that a high priority in, in their legislative program. Tell us more about what's happening there, Duncan. Yeah, that has been introduced once again in Congress for the 12 weeks of paid parental leave. Most um, of the countries around the world, most of the um, you know allies of ours, so to speak, do have uh, very much enhanced paid parental leave as opposed to what happens in the U.S. So just trying to get that matched up to make sure that it's more even people have a bonding experience when they have a child. They don't have to worry about, you know, um, calling in sick, things of that nature. Um, yeah, it, it's just so there's there's pay while they can take care of their children. I mean, that's basically what it is. Paid parental leave is being able to be there for your children to take care of them. Uh, I think it's going to be an uphill battle in the Congress. But absolutely, it's something worth fighting for and trying to get. And we need to remember that there are a lot of nations very much like us, particularly in Western Europe, that have had this for years, and it's much longer. I mean, it's it's months, not just weeks. And the reason that these countries have decided to do this is because of the impact on society in general, that there is a very positive impact. how should I put this, impact on their general society when you give parents this time, particularly moms, but it could be dads too, time to uh, bond with their children at the very early stages, that this has a very positive impact on these children as they grow older. So it's not just uh, for the employee itself. It This is something that many societies, much like ours, our own, have made a decision that this is good overall for the entire populace. So uh, we think that the federal government could lead the way on this. But you're right. It's exactly a, so. It's a very, yeah, and I agree with you, it's it's an uphill battle the way uh, Congress is constituted now. But, you know, you never know when you get some, you might get a, a few key people to move to your side because of the reasons uh, that I just mentioned. So once again, uh, it's in the Congress, NTU National. If you're on the email list, and if you're not, you should sign up for the website, ntu.org. Sign up for all the updates you would get as a member. And uh, NTU National will will certainly update you on this, and we uh, will update you on this uh, about this on our uh, weekly podcast. We'll try to keep it weekly if uh, we don't have any other personal issues for Duncan or myself to get in the way. Uh, but it, uh, we also have a, a, a the Facebook page. I was unable to update it for a couple of weeks, but we're trying to get back into the groove. We also will update you uh, on our uh, Chapter 49 
Facebook page, which is NTEU Chapter 49, Indiana. If you sign up for that, just follow or or like us. You'll uh, get that on your Facebook news feed, uh, our updates that we provide for you. I want to mention something else. I am a retiree, and I'm one of the few people left under the old CSRS system. I was hired in the summer of 1983 for the federal government, which was, you know, just a few months before um, the entire, uh, how should I put it, the entire retirement system changed and went to FERS. So I'm under CSRS. So when we get our cost of living adjustments, I get the same cost of living adjustment on my annuity as Social Security recipients get. It was 8.7% this year. Boy, it came in handy for me. Well, if you're on FERS, now, part of your first retirement, of course, is Social Security for most people. And so you'll get that 8.7% this year for your Social Security part. But the first part of your, your retirement is, is, a, is a lower amount. So that has been the case for a long time. And, Duncan, there are people in Congress who are working with NTEU to try to even that out again. Where, do, where does that stand? And tell us more about that. Yeah, it's just starting to uh, starting to roll out. The uh, there are a couple of co-sponsors on this bill that basically want to make sure that uh, folks who retire under FERS, which are the vast majority now, get the full uh, cost of living increase. Right now, if it's um, you know if the cost of living is one percent, they would get that matched one percent. If it's you know two percent, they would get half of it. If it's over 2%, then it's a 1% less. So like you said, 8.7 went for CSRS. It would be 7.7% for folks under FERS. And they just want to try and even that out to make it a, uh, a fair and even playing field. So be aware of that. I know we have FERS retirees who are uh, fans of this podcast. So uh, again, if, if you're retired, you don't have to worry about what you use, you'll be using your own equipment. It doesn't matter what time of day you do it. If you're a retiree, just let your elected officials know how you feel about that. There's one other retirement-related issue I want to talk about, and this is particularly for people watching and listening in the state of Indiana. The state of Indiana several years ago uh, made a change so that a, a, a portion of, let's say, CSRS retirement uh, would be taxed at a lower rate, such as Social Security is treated under Indiana income tax laws. Now there's, a, uh, there's I think it's already passed the House, as a matter of fact, that there be an enhancement to that. So many retirees of the federal government are going to get a break under the uh, in- income tax law of the state of Indiana if this passes. It's passed the House. It's going to the Senate. If you have an interest in this as a retiree, I would suggest you contact your state senator, whoever it may be, if you're listening and or watching in the state of Indiana. That's a uh, an important uh, piece of legislation that's making its way through our Indiana state legislature and would benefit a number of retirees. I won't get into a lot of detail on that, but uh, just be aware that that is uh, something of benefit to most federal retirees, and that is working its way through the Indiana state legislature. Uh, I want to talk about uh, something else. You know, we have, uh, we're coming out of COVID. COVID's not gone, but we're dealing with it in a much more effective manner. We have vaccines and much better uh, ways of treating people who do get COVID. People are still dying of COVID, particularly people who are older and, and have a lot of other health issues. But it's nothing like what we saw. I mean, we've lost a million people to COVID over the entire pandemic period, but that's 
dramatically lower now, and, and we have a better way to handle it. So now people are going back to a so-called normal way of working. Now, what's been happening in the private sector is the private sector has realized that people have become very accustomed to working at home. They've become very productive, very good at it. Not everybody wants to work at home all the time. Some people do a hybrid in the office sometime. They're at home sometime. But most private employers, and I've been watching this in the media a lot, are reducing the amount of space they have in their offices because fewer people are coming into the office every day. Well, the House of Representatives just passed a a piece of legislation for federal workers which sort of goes in the other direction. It, as as I understand it, requires federal employees to come into the office and and not use telework, which is a, a bad idea for retention and recruitment of new employees in the federal government, if nothing else. Uh, and and really not paying attention to how effective this can be in people getting their work done. Um, so it has passed the House. We, we're thinking that it would not get past the Senate or a presidential veto, but I'm curious what you're hearing on this uh, whole issue of the telework bill to pass the House. Yeah, I know there are a lot of uh, members out there who have concerns, and understandably so. The whole tripe thing of okay, well, if you're working from home, you're not productive, you're not working, you're screwing off, whatever, um, has basically been proven, especially during this pandemic, to not hold up. That, you know, people are productive when they can work from home. They don't have the commute. They're able to, you know, absenteeism has been reduced. Uh, You know, there are a whole bunch of positive things to this. And like you said, uh, recruitment and retention is huge for this. Um, and to just say, okay, well, we're, we don't like it. We want people to come into the office so we know that they can be watched. Okay. That's great if you're in kindergarten, but you know, everybody's an adult here that works for the federal government. So we would think that they would be self-sufficient. And if you're working from home or in the office and not doing what you need to do, there are steps that can be taken to try and make sure that that doesn't happen. That, uh, that you do do what you need to do. But I've found that uh, folks who are not producing as much as they should be, let, I'll put it as genteel as I can, um, you know, it doesn't matter whether they're in the office or whether they're at home, that's going to be the case. If you're a hard worker in the office, you're going to be a hard worker at home. And I have seen people who have not been that great in the office do much better at home because they don't have the commute, they don't have to worry about, they can sit there and take care of their issues um, at home, their work at home, and do a great job. So I think this is extremely short-sighted legislation, and I would hope that the the Senate, if they do discuss it, if they do even give it a hearing, would, um, you know, more logical uh, opinions would prevail, and this would not pass the Senate. Yeah, somebody who's not only been a union rep during my IRS career, but also a manager. I've got to tell you, with the technology we have today and just the way workplaces are set up, it doesn't matter, in my view, whether you're working at home or in the office. If you've got an employee who's who's got an issue with performance or whatever, you deal with it either way. And I've I've found very few cases. There are some out there, but I've seen very few instances 
where people are just goofing off at home and not getting their work done. In fact, I see more cases where people say they're more productive at home than they are in the office for a variety of reasons. So we think this is bad legislation. We think if people are having, first of all, when you're new in, in most agencies, you don't telework for a while anyway until you're, right. you have a chance to get uh, in, in, you know, in your feet wet in the job itself. And uh, so once you know your work, you then you, you're working at home, you, you are generally more productive. And if you're not, it really doesn't make any difference if you're in or out of the office. The manager has, has work to do with you, and, and uh, that, that's never changed. So we would hope that the cooler heads will prevail. And I think from what we've heard from the president, he's not in favor of this legislation that uh, passed the House. So we understand the concern about it, uh, but we are fairly optimistic it's not going to become law. Is that a good way to look at it, uh, Duncan? Yep, that is. And if it does come up in the Senate, we, I'm sure NTU National will be urging members to contact their senators if you have a concern about this and want to let your voice heard that you think this is bad legislation. You know, I've, I've I've been working for the I worked for the IRS for 28 years. I've been a retiree since 2011, September 2011. And I hear this, you know, it seems like this happens every so many years. We get these people in elective office who say they want to abolish the IRS. Now, professionals who are familiar with tax administration say the only way you could abolish the IRS is to change the name there will always be a tax agency of some sort. The latest thing we're seeing here is the institution of a national sales tax to to basically replace the income tax and maybe some other taxes. Who knows? Uh, The amount that you would have to, excuse me, tax people to replace the income tax is huge. You know, people would just stop buying things, to be quite honest about it. There's, I've, I have seen no economist who, think this, who thinks this is a good idea to abolish all the income taxes and to institute a national sales tax. I mean, this has been studied by lots of uh, universities and uh, think tanks and others, and uh, with very few exceptions. It's been found to be a bad idea just overall, and it would probably uh, tax people at the lower income levels quite unfairly and be a boon to people in the higher income levels so they don't have to spend as much of their income. And so the national sales tax would probably benefit the high-income people and probably be difficult to handle for people on the lower end of the income scale. So for a variety of reasons, this is a bad idea. Talking about abolishing the IRS, you can't. You still have to have an agency, a tax agency, to administer a national sales tax. I mean, I used to do small business workshops for the IRS. We bring in people from the state who administer the state sales tax in Indiana. If you think a sales tax is simple, you are wrong because sales taxes have all sorts of exceptions and niches here and that. And it you talk about a burden on small business. A sales tax is a very big burden on all businesses, but the smaller businesses in particular. So that's my speech on all this. Uh, curious, about Duncan, curious about Duncan Giles and your take on all this talk about abolishing the IRS and instituting a national sales tax. Yeah, I mean, we're used to being the political football, the agency that everybody hates. That's that's a given that comes with it. 
And you, like you said, you do get these folks every few years who want to abolish the IRS. But when you start doing the math on what a national sales tax is, and you know, according to some who are proposing this now, well, we'll just have the states administer it. Okay, yeah, that's a wonderful idea. There's not going to be any oversight from the federal. That's that's great. Um, you know, you're talking somewhere between 23 to 30 percent. Well, you know, what's going to happen to the folks? Like you said, it's going to be mostly a regressive tax because it would impact folks who make lesser income more than it would a higher income. Well, we'll just give them, you know, we'll figure out a way to give them rebates and send them money. And it's like, once you start digging into this, so you're saying there's going to be anywhere from a 23 to 30% tax on buying a home, 23 to 30% tax on buying a car. Well, no, no, we, we'd exempt that. Okay, so then wouldn't your taxes have to be higher if you're going to be exempting those big ticket items? I mean, the devil's always in the details, and it's always going to come out to be just a boondoggle to administer, not to mention the underground economy that it would most certainly do. If you take a look, think there isn't one, take a look at, uh, you know, folks who try and get away from the taxes on cigarettes or alcohol and the uh, underground marketplace that goes on with that. So understand where it comes from, but it's just not feasible. And like you said, I don't think that it would really go uh, much of anywhere. Yeah, talk to IRS agents who administer that fuel tax, that excise tax on fuel. Okay. <laughs> they'll, tell you, they'll tell you all about the underground economy, and it's, it's not a pleasant story. So we think that this is, again, certain people in political life who are, who are just trying to make a statement. We don't think there's any chance, as long as we have the current makeup of the Senate and, and the president we have in office right now, it's very unlikely the IRS would be abolished, the income tax would be abolished, and the sales tax would come up for the reasons I mentioned, and you mentioned several very good, legitimate reasons. Because just imagine, you start exempting things, you get to a 35 to 40% national sales tax, and put on top of that the state sales tax, you get close to a 50% tax. I mean, so, okay, we've made our point. We'll, we'll not uh, belabor that point anymore. One last item I want to ask you about, Duncan. Uh, NTEU is, uh, is now uh, looking, and not looking into, they're preparing to launch an, a phone app. We've had our website up for a long, long time, but now uh, NTEU is going to uh, put together a phone app you can put on your phone. What do we know about this? Uh, this has come a long, long way. They've been working on it for quite a while. Um, it's out on beta testing now uh, for some uh, for some folks like uh, chapter presidents right now. They want to do almost like a soft rollout, find out if there are any problems or issues or anything like that. I myself have used it, put it on my phone. It hasn't caused my phone to crash. Uh, you know, you get good information. You can jump on the NTU website very easily. Um, so it's it's a handy thing to have. And I think members, uh, it'll be something good for members to have. It's, it's not going to be jump, junking up your phone or anything like that, but it'll keep you apprised uh, a little bit better of issues that are uh, near and dear to federal employees and NTU uh, represent employees in particular. So whether you have an Android phone or the iPhone from uh, Apple, or, or some, I think there are some other technology out there, you can go, you, by the time you uh, see or hear this uh, this podcast, you it may already be on there. So I would say check with your app store, look for the NTEU uh, phone app, and as soon as it's available, download it and uh, see what you think of it. 
With that, uh, Duncan Giles, let's have your final comment. My final comment, I uh, was talking to a couple of members yesterday about an issue, and uh, it struck home that a member mentioned something that I had said on a previous podcast, and I want to reiterate that. This, and, and it wraps up into you know what you've dealt with as well, this is work. This isn't life. The IRS, your work here is not your life. Your life is your family, your friends, things of that nature. You know, at the end of the day, at the end of it all, people are not going to be saying, oh, man, they were a great worker. They were, you know, something like that. It'll be how much time you spent with those that you love, those that you want to be with. So, you know, take that time. Make sure that you're doing your work. Put in your 40 hours. But when it comes to something like putting in love time, you know, working off the clock or something like that because you've got an unreasonable demand or something of that nature, think twice about that. Because you're not, A, you're not getting paid for it, and B, it's not the most important thing in your life. Your loved ones are. I know that, you know, between my daughter, my wonderful um, partner, Kim, and, you know, my fam- other family and friends, those, those are the people that are most important to me and that I want to spend the most time with. Thank you for those uh, thoughts, Duncan. They're very important, and I'm glad you uh, reiterated that again. I want to say just one quick thing, except for people who may be watching or listening in like Florida or Southern California or Southern Arizona or other warm climate areas, we're, this, we're getting toward the end of winter. February 10th, you know, we're, uh, spring is kind of on the horizon, but we're not there. And some people do get a little depressed little down. We've had a lot of high winds and, and not much sun here recently where I live here in central Indiana. My, my view is just, you know, just realize, don't get down, do things you enjoy. Even in the winter time, you may not be able to get outside as much. Uh, don't let, uh, don't let the weather get you down. And I'm hoping, Duncan, we're done with large snowstorms, but you never know about that. So I want to thank Duncan Giles once again. Always great to hear from him. And thank you again for all the wonderful comments and the thoughts you passed along to me at a time when my mother passed away. It meant a lot to me, and it still means a great deal to me. You really know who your friends are, and I have so many really good friends and acquaintances I have made during my IRS career and my work with NTEU. So we want to thank you for joining us again. Uh, Duncan and I do our best to do this weekly because we know you're watching and you're listening, and we appreciate the fact that you do. As long as you have an interest in watching or listening, we will continue our best to do this as weekly as possible and, uh, and, and continue our podcast series. So in the meantime, I would ask one thing of each one of you. Please be safe and be kind. Thank you.